I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource, and Real Talk About Real Estate starts right now. We're back, folks. Welcome back to another episode of Resource Real Talk about Louisville Real Estate. I'm your host, Jay Pitts. Welcome back. I've got a special, special treat for you today. Talk to you more about that in just a moment. Let's pay the bills real quick. Uh, don't forget, you can find us on all the social media channels, pretty much. Anywhere you get a podcast, anywhere you participate in different social media marketing as a real estate agent, you can find us. You can find us at The Resource Podcast on Facebook, at JP, JTPA Louisville on Twitter, at J Pitts Realtor on Instagram, J underscore Pitts on TikTok. You can find full episodes of the video variety at youtube.com slash J Pitts Realtor. You can find uh, links to you know shows, episodes, snippets in all of those platforms. Not to forget, you can find this podcast anywhere you podcast, but specifically, we would appreciate your support on Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Give us a follow uh, what, ha- what have you. I don't even know what they call it anymore. There's a little plus sign in the top right corner of your app. Press that on the resource. We would appreciate uh, you becoming a follower of the podcast. We appreciate five-star reviews also. Um, Spotify is another big one where people find podcasts. You can find us there as well. All right. Now that we got that out of the way, let's go with um, uh, 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 introduction to a former podcast guest, current real estate agent with me here at JT Pitts and Associates and uh, Remax Premier Properties. You know, the first time we did the podcast, and I'm not even certain what episode it was, but it was very early in season one. Uh, This individual was referred to me by a fellow realtor who was her realtor at the time, uh, someone who's you know, opinion I hold in very high esteem uh, in this industry and their experience. And she basically said, you you really need to meet this individual. I was very glad we had a lot of fun in the last episode. Welcome back, Miss Brenna Brooks. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me again. Yeah, absolutely, Brenna. So, okay, so we talked about doing this for a while and, you know, COVID and are we in the office? Are we not in the office? And what are we doing as real estate? Are we going to be able to show houses tomorrow? Um, You know, that was uh, obviously you know, a bit of a challenge, but we had a ton of fun, you, Gabe and I, in our original episode, but let's just reset that for those who didn't scroll back through the archives and have the opportunity to review that yet. It may be where they, we may see a bump on listens on that episode right after this one airs, but uh, let's reset. Well, we- I went back and listened to it yesterday, actually. So yeah, there's already a bump on it. <laughs> I check. I checked it out myself. Um, it was so much fun reliving, um, reliving that from a few years ago and hearing the way we spoke about the market and all these things. Anyway, I digress. I won't get too much into it. Talk a little bit more about where you were, what was going on in your life. Okay. And what, what led us to kind of sit down and chat, um, you know, to talk about real estate the last time around. Sure. So it was, uh, June or July, 2018. Last time we talked, I was working full time in an ad agency. I was a project manager um, I, we were working on our, what ended up being our last flip actually. Um, and 
you were following me on Instagram for the house flipping and reached out to Dana and asked if I would be a guest on your podcast. And that is how I met you for the very first time. So yeah, we finished, finished that project. It was almost done at that point. Um, and I was still working in marketing and ad agencies. Kind of crazy, crazy, right? right? Like I, I, I definitely, definitely know, know that that was the situation. situation. Um, um, Patrick, I got, I got re- recording in my ear. Okay, back at it. I, I definitely knew that that was going on. I had seen you on Instagram, like you mm-hmm. said. I saw pictures of your projects. I saw a very unique design sense. I saw what I felt like was a really high quality of work. Um, I saw, you know, a high price point, which is, you know, it takes a lot of guts to be honest, to go into the flipping world and take on very, um, you know, kind of niche markets, you know, your Indian Hills, your, your Glenview areas, your, your places like that where people have a high, high expectation of the product. And, um, to, to take that sort of financial risk, I thought, okay, well, this person really knows what they're doing. Um, and, and so I was just intrigued. You know, obviously, you know, and we talked about on the episode, I flip houses too. Um, and so talking to other people and learning their processes and understanding there was a, a bit of a social kind of game that you had going on surrounding your yeah. flip business. We talked about that. Yeah, we talked about um, social media and the opportunities that it had led me to and why it was important for me, but not from other people. And that was really interesting to go back and listen to that yesterday. Um, knowing like where I am now and how it got me to where I am now, essentially. So it was really interesting going back and listening to that. Yeah. Like flippers have have tended in my experience, at least to operate in, you know, the shadows almost a little bit. Right. And I don't mean that like they're being sneaky, but like they're not out front. They list with the realtor in most cases, or they list for sale by owner, but there's not, there was never up until that moment, I hadn't seen someone that, um, and you know, I knew that you were partnered with your dad and that was kind of probably a mixing of skill sets that, that made that partnership work. Definitely. And, and so, but I hadn't seen anybody step out front and say, Hey, I want to have a brand surrounding my flipping business, right? You see it's popular online. You see it's popular, you know, in all these forums, you see flipping popularized on, you know, cable television and multiple facets, right? Show after show after show, these personalities, reality personalities that flip houses. But I hadn't seen anybody locally do it. You know, it was the real estate person like myself who had a brand surrounding their sales, who also did flips, Mm -hmm. um, or it was a builder, you know, that built big custom homes, or it was a remodeling company, or it was whatever these things, these businesses. But, but what I liked about what I saw from you from afar was that it seemed like you understood how to leverage social. It seems yeah. like you learned how to leverage branding. And- well, it helped, honestly. And we talked about this in that episode too, is that the two different jobs, if you will, um, complemented each other very well because we talked about flipping being a huge part of it is project management. I would argue that the majority of it is project management. Well, I was a certified project manager working in advertising and the two very much complemented each other. And there was a lot of, you know, cross learning and cross benefits, cross, you know, benefits going on there. Um, and it helped me. So to your point, 
working for brands in marketing and advertising. And even though I wasn't on the social team and I wasn't on the digital marketing team, being in those review meetings and just picking up things as I went along about brands and social strategies for brands and image and voice and tone and all of these things bled into and maybe subconsciously carried over into my Instagram for our real estate, for our investing, you know, presence. And Absolutely. And and that's a good that's a good segue there. Okay, Brenna. So so you were working a job, mm -hmm. right? A, a nine to five, if you will, right? Uh, I don't know if that's what your hours were, but essentially a W2 employee of yep. a firm that worked for big brands and they had project management needs. You had gotten certifications, you know, some schooling behind that, and it was a, a very direct career path, right? So like so many of folks in our age bracket, the like older kind of, you're younger than me, but I'm on the older edge of the well, millennials. <laughs> well, I'm on the older edge of the millennial generation, sneak in there by like just a very, very small margin. But, um, you know, like so many of us, okay, we, if we work a job, we're either not afraid to be self-employed or if we work a job, we want a side hustle, right? We want something to help us build wealth. We have something that wants that, you know, if we were, if we were competitive at anything in our life and then we settle solidly into adult life and we kind of get that, um, what was that successful monotony is what uh, a mm -hmm. mentor of mine once told me you're, you're successful. You're not slaying any dragons, right? But you got something worth protecting and you show up for it every day, but that doesn't always satisfy the competitive energy that you might have. Right. To, to climb, to go, you know, if we're not like, you know, wanting to like climb the corporate ladder into like a C-level type position with a large company, like some people lose that. And some people find it in hobbies. Some people find it, you know, in other pursuits, but, but so many in our, in, in our, in our, you know, age range like to have a side business, right? Mm -hmm. Your side business was real estate. You use mm -hmm. skills and People that listen to this podcast hear me say that everything I do supports everything else I do, and that's strategic. So what you did is took a real set of skills that you had cultivated and deployed it in one avenue. Um, is that a fair characterization, you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, I didn't really plan that getting into it. I didn't realize that that, would, that was what it would turn into or that was how it would benefit me, um, but it, it really did turn into being, and it, the other thing is the agency I was working for at the time, they specialized in home installed products. So, I mean, I was honestly, I was a resource for them on a lot of stuff. Um, right. and it was very complimentary, both in the project management side of it, but also in the home side of it and the, you know, housing market. It, it was yeah. really kind of, it was not planned at all. It was kind of the pieces fell in the right place for sure. I always, I always tell people that, that, you know, our pursuits and endeavors, the things that are, are often the most valuable in our life uh, tend to start because they're cool. Mm -hmm. They kind of seem cool. Oh, that would be cool. Like how many times you said that? Oh, well, flip houses, high end house. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Like, and and then then it's like, we get started in flipping. Right. And that's how I did. I mean, that for sure. That's how dad and I did. And, and so, you know, my, I'll steal a phrase from my father. He used to say, start where you stand until and use what tools you have available until better tools avail themselves. And so, like, you start, you don't know what mistakes you're going to make. And I know we won't get into them, but I know you made plenty, right? Uh -huh. As we as we all do. Yes. Uh, you know, 
the 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 saying in the in the flipping world is on your first one if you break even you should throw a party yeah um you know and if you bring it in on budget you need to retire um on budget and on time you need to retire because that's never happened in my career <laughs> but um i so so good experience hard experience challenge experience challenging experience um let's not get into that too much but let's talk about what happened next because i think our audience deserves to hear the i mean obviously they see the logo they heard the inter, they heard the introduction they see the logo on the shirt um something some some things came along and you made and you made a change what tell yeah. us more about that yeah it's kind of funny so in the last podcast i mean i think it was gabe actually who really called me out and he's like so what's holding you back why don't are you scared basically I don't think it was you, I think it was Gabe, but we talked about, you know, why someone that you had had on the podcast fairly recently before I did had recently quit their full-time job and gone into real estate full-time. And I said, well, people ask me that all the time about it, but you know, while we have this huge project that wasn't selling, I would have been able to pay my mortgage. And, yeah. you know, we talked about the security and everything. So but a year later, um, I was laid off. Uh, the company did a few rounds of layoffs and I was applying to all sorts of jobs. Um, like I said, I have my project management certification. I am a certified PMP. I have my MBA. Um, I have years of project management experience, both in, in both in agencies and with the flip houses. And I was applying to jobs in so many different industries and not getting calls back. And when I got an interview, they're like, you're way overqualified for this job. I kept a spreadsheet because I'm a project manager. <laughs> I applied to overseas jobs. Um, I called you and I said, yeah. can you go out to lunch and can I pick your brain? And I asked you if you had any flip projects going that you needed a freelance project manager or designer for. And you said, I don't, I'll ask around some of my clients, but if you thought about getting your real estate license, you'd be really good at it. And here I am. Yeah. Well, that happened. Um, it de it <laughs> that definitely did. I'm proud to know that I wasn't the one, I'm proud to know that I wasn't the one that um, that probed originally in the first episode. Oh, Dana was, because, for sure. But, it, but in fairness, it's what I thought, what I, what I was thinking the entire time we were sitting there recording. <laughs> right was like this person needs to be a real estate agent she just doesn't know it yet um and and totally understand and i've had brenna and you can t attest to this i've had numerous i mean almost uncountable um you know conversations with folks surrounding the topic of how do i make the transition into full-time self-employment and still take care of my financial obligations i bought a house i have a mortgage i have student loans i have car payments i have kids i have school tuition i have all these things right and uh it's funny how these conversations tend to come in bunches because i had that conversation in fact with another agent this morning um and the answer to the to the equation and i know you know this and it, it's taken us a few years to come to this um i know you had faith enough to pull the trigger even if there was some external stimulus that you wouldn't have asked for, um, you had the faith and you took the plunge. But the truth is, is how do you do that? You just do it. 
Exactly. Um, go ahead. It, so we talked in the last episode about, you know, what what's holding me back. And I said, security. And also at the time, I felt when I got out of grad school and we were flipping and why didn't we do it full time? I said, because if something happened and flipping was no longer a viable business model for us, I wouldn't have enough on my resume to fall back on to reenter the workforce. Well, then I found myself employed and not being successful in finding another job. It was kind of like it was now or never. Like it was kind of, you know, well, here I am already. It wasn't like I was leaving a job on purpose, like to make this change. Like I was already in a position where I was looking for the next step. Um, you know, and I, it was kind of, yeah, like I said, now or never like, well, might as well, you know, and I had friends telling me like, it's about the same time. Like, <laughs> are you just going to realize that that's what you should do? And honestly, the biggest, the biggest thing that held me back at that point and was why it took me so long to make the decision was because I felt, I don't know if I've ever told you this. I felt that if what I was going to do was go full-time in real estate, why did I put myself through grad school and getting my PMP? Now those things are beneficial to me and we can talk a little bit later about what those things in my previous experience have enabled me to do in full-time real estate. But that was like, why the hell did I do that to myself? If this is what I'm going to do, because I didn't need to do those things to get here. And that was my biggest hang up. But then, I mean, you realize the second thing you learn in economics is it's a sunk cost. Like you can't go back and change it. So. <laughs> so sunk cost fallacy is, is phenomenal. You know, in other words, being pot committed. Yeah. Right. Like you're in a hand of poker and you bet four rounds and you want to see the river, you know, you're beat, but you pay the extra money, therefore increasing your loss just to know for certain that you would have lost anyway. Um, sunk cost fallacy is phenomenal. I, I love so much about what you said there, Brenna. You know, I'll take it back to a moment early on um, when you were speaking just a second ago. And. I'm not sure if I would have said this, wouldn't be surprised if I did. Certainly have heard myself, these words come out of my mouth multiple times with multiple agents over time. And, um, you know, it's just that, like I said, you just do it, right? Um, well, what if, what if is the, um, it's the reality whether you were laid off or not, right? And I think knowing what you know now, okay, that you can do this, that you have the skill set, that whether the PMP was what gave you skills you needed, it was all in preparation for the moment where you had to make a decision as to what the rest of your life was going to look like, right? And yeah. would you would you shrink from that challenge or would you rise to it? Right. It seems divine almost in some cases. Right. Um, it's, yeah. And the other so the other piece of it that finally kind of gave me the kick in the pants and made me, I guess, overcome, you know, my objection and my, you know, what was holding me back was my dad. I'll never forget it. My dad was sitting at my house one afternoon 
and we were sitting on the couch and I was, you know, he's asking how the job search was going. And he said, and my dad is a person that works for the same company for 40 something years. So, I mean, that doesn't really happen anymore, but he, he asked me what I wanted to be doing. And I don't know if he used five years or 10 years, but I said, I don't want to, I I said, I don't know what exactly I do want to be doing, but what I don't want to be doing is sitting in an office in some corporate tower, working away towards some corporation's bottom line in the grand scheme of things, making very little difference. And then I thought, why the hell am I applying to all of these jobs that put me on the path to doing that? And that was you know, kind of that was kind of like the like 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 aha. That was that was kind of it, honestly. So let's let's go into that a little more because that that resonates with me. And I know obviously more than we'll have more about your story than we'll be able to share today. But I know that your father, who was your business partner in for flips. Mm-hmm. You just told us a little bit more about is influential in your decision making and in your mm-hmm. life. I, I have very it was not experience. Just so you know, he actually gave me a really hard time about it. I was very. Well, I know that. I know it. that. I do know that. That's actually where I was headed. Um, so I was fortunate in a lot of ways to have a father that was very uncompromising. Okay, this father, you know, demanded a lot of me, right? Um, I lived my childhood to please him, right? To give, to do what I thought he wanted me to do because no matter how good I did something, it was very tough to reach the level of accomplishment that I felt like was demanded of me, okay? Now, I'm a, you'll hear me say I'm a stubborn firstborn and all that, but we are a product of our upbringing. That is absolutely the case. Nature and nurture are also both very true at the same time. Mm-hmm. But, that may sound domineering or demanding or unfair or whatever, you know, it shaped me. It is what it is, right? That, that cost is sunk. Regardless of how it got spent, it got spent. He also taught me to demand a lot of myself, to rely upon myself. And like talking about, you know, people don't work for, for, for the same company for 40 years anymore. I was taught to never work for a, someone else's company ever. Mm. To rely 100% upon myself. You were given quite a different message, right? And I know that your father gave you a little bit of a hard time about making this transition, right? Our our industry, especially if you rewind 10 years, um, the public perception of our industry is just slightly above a used car salesman, right? An ambulance (laughs) chasing attorney. And and in some ways that's that's well-deserved and in some ways it's unfair. So I mean, I'm intrigued. Um, when my father told me as I as I grew up, as I got out of my adolescent years and into adulthood, the things he told me not to do were just as motivating as the things he commanded or demanded of me when I was a when I was much younger. Do you think that your father's um, hesitancy gave you more of a reason to say yes? Yes. Oh my God. Yes. It's like, <laughs> watch me. What? <laughs> okay. I love that because um, <laughs> that's almost, that's almost the attitude you have to have. Red-headed Napoleon Hill. <laughs> Say that again. I said, I'm redheaded in German. I'm very stubborn. 
<laughs> okay. You, you would love the conversation I had with my son. I had to, today on the way to school, my son and I discussed, my son is very much like me. He's also very much like my wife at the same time somehow, um, which is, which is hilarious and frustrating at the same time. But we had the discussion of the difference between the words persistence, stubbornness, and obstinance. That's a good one. It was in a phenomenal conversation, which I'm sure that you and I could probably relate on because I'm incredibly stubborn and so is my wife at the same time. So my offspring is is like next level. But, um, you know, that's the kind of attitude you need getting in this business, Brenna. You can't have two feet. You can't have one foot in two places. Right. Yeah. Napoleon Hill said, burn the boats. OK, retreat is not an option. When you choose a path, you go all the way. And that's it's the the single greatest issue that most people now you were fortunate. The decision was somewhat made for you, but you still had you still had to walk the path, right? I still had um, to walk the path. I still had to, I mean, it was easier for me. So you talked about kids, mortgage car payments, student loans, stuff. I, I don't have children, so it was it's just me, which makes it a little bit easier, right? Because you know, I don't have little people depending on me. Um, I do have a dog who, anyways, um, <laughs> he costs about as much as a kid right now. Um, but yeah, so it was, it's only me. Um, I don't have kids that I had to make sure that I could care for. Um, I did, I did have savings, you know, I, um, I had a good paying job and I was pretty smart with my money and I did have savings for an emergency and, I used it for what it was intended for, but I still had to pay thousands of dollars for the class, for the exam, for the licensing, for the brokerage fees, for, you know, everything. And that was before even going on my first appointment and knowing where my first paycheck was coming from. And that was without income coming in from something else. Um, so, and I really think I spoke about that in, I don't know if it was a blog post or something, but it kind of, I guess gave me the, the drive and the motivation right out of the gate because I knew there was a finite end to when I could not pay my mortgage anymore. <laughs> so it really, I mean, and I'm a, it's a single income household. I'm not married. So I didn't have another income to at least pay the bills with. So it was sink or swim. And, but at the time it was now or never because if I didn't do that, if I didn't go full-time in real estate, how long was it going to be before I, you know, got hired elsewhere? Would I have to move? You know, all of those things. So Would the same things that have, ha have happened pursuing employment for someone else, they could have, depending on how long that gap would have been. I think, Brenna, obviously, I, and we're going to transition into that because I think it's a great story and we need to you know, this is a big part of it. And I want to talk about the whys and the hows and the, you know, how we got here. But, you know, your story is is quite inspiring and we can kind of get into the success that you've had. But that's just it. You had to make that choice, right? You made the choice. You went at it. You did it smart. Nobody does it stupid on purpose, right? But you were, you were extra smart. You were extra prepared, right? You used your skill set to give yourself a pathway towards success. You had measurable benchmarks, right? Things that you wanted to do within certain periods of time. And you stayed on top of it. Okay. All right. Now let's talk about that. You joined this team on 
August 23rd of 2019. Were you mm -hmm. aware of that? Did you know I knew that? I knew it was right around there. I think I took the test August 22nd. I passed the test August okay. 22nd. I knew that. Yeah. So we accepted your license on August 23rd of 2019. Okay. So basically the end, you know, of, you know, August leaves you with September, October, November, December, four months, a third of a year in a third of a year. Um, in your very first year, you closed five units for 1.2 million in volume. Okay. Mm -hmm. Five units for 1.2 million in volume, your first full year in real estate. Okay. And this was, you know, a, pandemic year okay you know on top of everything 27 units for 3.25 million let me give a <laughs> golf clap on that but that's not even the most impressive part okay the most impressive I had, I had part 12 is, pendings going to COVID. when COVID started i had 12 pennies yeah and and the incredible and obviously that has an impact and you know things happen and you know, restarting after COVID was a thing that everyone has had to, that was in the industry, has had to contend with. It's We've been incredibly fortunate being in the real estate industry. Many other industries were impacted much more. Um, but there's nothing like running full speed into a brick wall, falling to the ground, and then having to pick yourself up again, and then, then people tell you to start the race again. So yep. that was that was 2020. Regardless, we're, we're more fortunate. We're not going to complain, right? Um, we're not the states that said you couldn't sell houses and we're not real estate has been a beneficiary of of the COVID economy, I would say. Um, but 2021, OK, marked improvement, OK, from a very good first full calendar year sitting today on November 17th. Brenna is sitting at 34 closed and pending transactions for six point eight million in volume almost, I mean, more than doubling your volume, adding, you know, another seven units um, to an already good year, I think is incredible. So I think, Brenda, what, what the point I want to make to most of our listeners here is it's not all sunshine and rainbows, right? In a relatively short career coming off of, you know, kind of a big life change, Right. Brenna had always thought that this is the lane that she was going to be in. Um, she was doing everything right. As you know, our generation has been taught. You, you grow up, you get good grades, you go to college, you get a degree, you have a specialty, you find a job, you work hard, you show up. Right. You grow and progress. And and on top of that. Take your 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 lay around time that you could be watching television and you invested in a in a very real venture okay and only to have the kind of rug pulled out from under you a little bit right yeah but that didn't stop you and i'm gonna pat you on the back a little bit so don't be too don't blush too hard but then you had the courage to start and start something new in what turns out to be a pretty good real estate market, but it wasn't always guaranteed. And to, to 2019, the conversations we were having are, when is the next recession coming? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we got it for about three months of 2020. Yeah. You know, a dead stop of the economy. But, you, you know, here we go. I mean, what? tell me, what is it? What allows you to do that? What allows me to have the to, results I've had the last couple of years? To endure that and have the results that you've got. 
so and that's this is kind of a tie-in to where i'm sh well this is something i wanted to talk about and i'm sure you probably had it on your list too <clears throat> excuse me is what the flipping houses on the side previously as a side venture how that has helped me transition into full-time real estate and a big piece of that is i because of that experience i came out of the gate and could really first of all evaluate houses whether you know one thing or another if this is you know a home buyer who wants to chance to build some sweat equity or if there's something that is concerning or whatever you know from my opinion obviously i'm not a structural engineer i'm not a hvac person i'm not a plumber anything like that but it gave me the ability to really evaluate houses from the get-go and also working with investors and the, i think the biggest piece of the volume and the transactions I've been able to produce over the past couple of years is because of working with investors, which is something that is really hard for a new agent who doesn't have, in my opinion, who doesn't have a background in real estate. It's something that's really hard for them to do because of, you know, the numbers and how do you estimate a flip and how do you know if there's a profit here and how, you know, what's your rental rate and all of this stuff. And I, I mean, that was second nature to me because I'd been doing it for seven years. Yeah. I mean, there's there's certain characteristics, right? I mean, I've, I've been it's been no secret. We evaluate agents on a couple of criteria, right? We want self-starters, okay? We want problem solvers. We want well-connected or the desire to be, okay? Good people skills, right? Good, good what we call social drive. And we want culture fit, right? Um, beyond that, if you want to be more specific, having the knowledge, the intimate knowledge of how a home works is infinitely valuable. Okay. Having the confidence to take on a situation is infinitely valuable. When you deal with investors, it's cut and dry. It's not emotional. Okay. Being able to, being able to cut to the root of an issue and speak frankly and directly is incredibly important. And your, your, not only your project management background, but your, mm -hmm. your personal investing experience, your social proof, as we call it, right? Like your, your experiences that you've lived, that you put out in the world allow you to say, hey, when I ran against that problem, this is how I solved it, right? Mm -hmm. And I think all of those are incredibly valuable, but you're right. The investor business, especially in Louisville, and I harp on this week after week, it feels like on the podcast. If you're a real estate agent in Louisville and you don't know how to manufacture a transaction by evaluating a deal, finding an opportunity and locating someone with money to purchase that deal, then you're not doing it right. And that's a pretty simple fact. That's how Brenna has been able to close 70 transactions in, you know, little more, little more than two years in this business, right? A 35 transaction average on an annual basis is incredible. It's incredible to be able to do those kind of numbers. So anyway, uh, Brennan, we're running a little short on time. I know you and I can talk all day long, right? Oh, yeah. If we want to keep this going. But um, <laughs> I am incredibly grateful to have you as a member of the team and the company, your leadership. Um, that's another thing we didn't even get into. Lynn, Brenna has assumed a leadership role here with the team and mentoring younger, uh, lesser experienced agents in a very short period of time. That's, that's um, you know, an honor that she certainly earned with her hard work. Um, is there anything else you want to put out there before we close up shop for the day? We, so we touched on the last episode. This is kind of, I mean, tying it back into, you know, other agents who listen and new agents, how, you know, getting started 
in the business, whether or not you came from the background or not. Um, you know, we talked about how I was able to get to the sales that I have very shortly within the first couple of years working with investors, both actually all three of my investors that I have closed multiple deals with one of them I've closed. I want, I think it's 12 now, 12 deals in a year, a year and a half. He didn't come to me until we did our first deal 4th of July last year. So I've been with him for a year and a half. I've done 12 sales with him and he has two more in progress, two renovations in progress, and he's going to keep buying another one. I've sold seven properties for, I have an eighth coming up and then I'm selling his personal home and another one. He's bought three rentals and he wants to keep, just keep going. These were not people in my sphere. One was a realtor.com lead. One was a Zillow lead. One was an op city lead. I answered the phone. I answered the phone. And then they, I built trust with them because they saw my background and they knew, knew I was talking about, but I would never, never have gotten those if I, I didn't know that they were an investment lead coming in before I answered the phone, before I called that person from a Zillow lead or realtor.com lead, I had no idea. I didn't know if they were, you know, could put their money where their mouse was. I have no idea. Yeah. I answered the phone. Um, they were not. Well, it's just, go ahead, Brenna. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. That's, that's where, I, so answer the phone. Um, and then before you, before you move on, I was going to say, here's what I was going to say. And that, that, this is not just talk, right? And and you would think that there's some more high-minded, high-tech way of doing business these days, but she's absolutely right. Brenna, Brenna um, mentors an agent on our team that in less than his first 12 months has got 36 closed and pen, or 31 closed and pending transactions. And I swear, I swear, okay? And it's, it's not perfect because when you do that much business that early in your career, there's, you know, you run up against some issues, right? There's a learning curve that you yeah. gotta navigate through. There's always a learning curve. The thing I see most out of this individual is they're in the office more than anybody else. And they reach out to me on a daily basis asking questions relating to a call, call office call lead. They answer the phone. Mm -hmm. My dad would be so proud to hear me say that. <laughs> they answer the damn phone. That's what they do. <laughs> so great advice. And that's, I mean, that really is. And, you know, the referrals are coming from those people now, but I, I got the business by answering the phone. That's how I got the first transaction out of them. But keeping with it and doing the other things and the intangibles and learning and moving forward in the follow-up and the, you know, acting with integrity and being someone that that agent can, that that client can trust. That's why they have kept their business with me. Um, you know, for the past year, year and a half, and is now trusting me to sell their personal house. Um, I sold them a lot. Oh yeah, I sold them a lot last year. I've sold seven houses for him. I have another investment coming up. I sold him a lot last year and I'm getting ready to sell his personal home. So that's 10. So we call we like to call that a force multiplier. Meeting one source and doing multiple transactions over the course of a year or many years is called a force multiplier. Um, it, it's, it's incredible. And you got the leads originally from another force multiplier, which is online leads and different online mm -hmm. lead sources. So conversion works, nurturing works. 
you build your business until your business supports supports you on its own. So, Brenna, unfortunately, that's all the time we got for today. Um, if you want to find Brenna, you can find her on any of the social channels. Brenna, why don't you give give us a little uh, uh, give us your Instagram handle or whatever you'd like people to go and check out. Yeah. Uh, so also proudest moment that got me the honor of the lowest sales price ever in the entire brokerage. <laughs> I just want to shout that out because I think that's still the one I'm most proud of. One Three thousand figures, right? One thousand oh, four figures. Yeah. Somebody's going to go nine ninety nine soon and, and not $14.25 in commission. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> um, but yes, that'll, that'll get your picture on Shelbyville road nowadays. Right. Um, yeah, I got that award a few months, but that that annual award, yeah, and that lowest record, that I'm still proud of that. Um, so yeah, uh, Instagram and Facebook is at Brenlo Properties, B-R-E-N-L-O-W Properties, uh, BrenloProperties.com, and then also an ebook. Uh, I up and flip a house already. A guide to help you shit or get off the pot with my co-author Wendy Burris. And that is also available on BrenloProperties.com. Very, very cool. So glad, uh, so glad you could join us today, Brenna. We'll have to reboot this again in the future. Go three, a couple more years, and then you're selling like 20 mil a year um, and and tell everybody how that is. Folks, we appreciate uh, you joining in for the podcast this week. Always try to bring you, uh, you know, a compelling guest that tell the story about real estate, talk about what's going on in Louisville real estate. Um, As a reminder, you can find us on all the socials, the resource podcast on Facebook. I forgot to say earlier, but our private Facebook group where we are streaming live now, Resource Real Talk about Louisville real estate. Send us a, send us a request. We'll get you on there uh, at J underscore Pitts on TikTok, at J Pitts Realtor on Instagram, at JTPA Louisville on Twitter. Full episodes on YouTube.com slash J Pitts Realtor. Don't forget our sister piece of content, JTP University, five-minute episodes, tactical. They're in the feed on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you podcast. Don't forget to give us a five-star review and a follow. It helps the show get in front of more people. We appreciate you immensely. Brenna, thank you again for joining us uh, for Resource Real Talk About Louisville Real Estate. I'm your host, Jay Pitts. We'll see you next week. (music) 